Welcome to Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures Collegiate Baseball League, presented by ChangeUp. I'm Owen Chadrick. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Johnny Maffey. Johnny, do you know how many days we have left? No, I didn't do the day counter. few moments later. Yes, we have 73 days left. That is for you guys keeping score at home. 10 weeks and three days until Futures League opening day on May 26th. We have another opening day date. Some league is starting mid-April. Yeah, I hear some league might not. There's, I, I don't know. There's something about a lockout that's not existing anymore. But you know what's not that locked out, Johnny? The Futures League. No, it never was. It never was. College no, baseball never, never was. was either. We got, yeah. you know, Northeastern sweeping NC State. You know, the a plethora of guys on that roster that have been with us, been on this podcast, on Back to the Future. So we basically swept NC State too. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, we have fun. We had Jack Fox on, my former teammate. Uh, we're getting some Emerson some Emerson on this podcast and it's uh it's fun it's it's but it's also fun you know you talk to him a lot uh you you've obviously been here before me you worked here before I did um and you talk to him and it's it's fun to talk to these familiar faces and um you know Jack I learned stuff just talking to him there I, I started picking his brain when I got to Emerson and now now he's picking guys brains he read us a laundry list of guys you know he's working out with that Cressy down in Florida and um, and he's had quite the journey. Yeah, he's had quite the journey. And his summer collegiate journey started in Westfield in 2019, extended to Brockton in 2020. He originally broke the Futures League season strikeout record before Jack Chope broke it this summer. He also threw a combined no-hitter in Brockton. So he's left his mark on the Futures League for sure. And he had a lot of great things to say about Emerson, about his final stop in college at Lander, and now with the Kane County Cougars and you know, as you said, it was great to hear his perspective about being with guys like Noah Syndergaard and Justin Verlander every day working out. And it's it's great to see him in professional ball doing so well. Yeah, he was right in the middle of, you know, we saw, what was it? Who was tweet? Was it Nightingale tweeting like Scherzer in the parking lot every day? And that was, you know, after Fox was working out with him all winter. So that's cool. Yeah, but Jack's kind of, you know, a great example of what the Futures League is all about. You know, he's he's an Emerson kid. He throws, he threw hard, and then you'll hear it right here. You'll hear it midway through the interview. He got his recognition in the Futures League. That's where he started making a name for himself. He was doing it not just in the New Mac, not just against D3. He was doing it against the big boys in the Futures, and that's what we're all about. Yeah, college, collegiate summer baseball works. You know it here. You've seen it here first. We're going to get you this interview with Jack Fox. We, we really enjoyed this one, so we want you guys to hear it. Here is our interview with Jack Fox. I love baseball. Let's roll. At this time, we are honored to be joined by our next guest. He played for Westfield in 2019, breaking the original record for strikeouts in a season, and then played for Brockton in 2020, where he threw a combined no-hitter. He was also a Emerson Lion and a current Kane County Cougar. It's Jack Fox. Jack, thanks for taking the time, and welcome to Back to the Futures. How are you? I'm, uh, I'm great, Owen. Thanks for having me on the uh, show. Jack, welcome back. Welcome back to the Futures. Welcome on the show. We uh, we definitely miss you in the Futures League. We miss you here at Emerson College as well. So what are you up to now? You're with the Kane County Cougars. You're down in Florida for the offseason. Give us a little rundown. So, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, after Emerson, you know, the whole uh, the whole COVID thing happened, uh, ended up, you know, not getting drafted. I, uh, I was given an extra year of eligibility. So I uh, 
I found a, a division two school. I wanted to get a little change of scenery for my last year of college. If I was going to get an extra one. Um, so I found a, I found a great place down in South Carolina, Lander university. They had a great pitching coach, great facilities. So uh, I went there for a year and then, uh, a week after that season ended, I got call. I got a call from the Kane County Cougars uh, manager in the American Association. He signed me, asked me if I could drive to Chicago, be there in two days, and uh, and the rest was. And then I was there for the whole summer. And um, after that season ended, he uh, he told me that if I uh, could pick up one to two miles an hour in the off season, he thinks I have a chance of getting picked up next season. So. I made a whole offseason plan to, you know, find the best training facility in the country and just live there for the for four or five months. And I'm in month four uh, down here at Cressy. And it's it's just been unbelievable. All right. So Cressy, for those who don't know, Eric Cressy is now with the Yankees running all of their strength and conditioning stuff. But forever, he was kind of not just but just the guy that, you know, Max uh, Noah Syndergaard went to or or whoever. You could name a laundry list of guys. And um and now you're in Jupiter, you're literally just working out, living with baseball guys. What's it like, you know, your off day at the beach the other day was just, you're playing catch in the water. Um, you have some of these these players that are still in college listening, a little taste of uh, what's to come if they continue baseball after school. I mean, I will say it is a grind. The, the minor league grind is is for real. I mean, we play 100 games in 100 and in 110 days, you're traveling all over the country on buses from Chicago to Dallas, all the way up to Winnipeg, Canada. And um, I mean, for, for off season wise, it's uh, it's just been the same thing every day. You know, no, I don't no semesters or school or classes to worry about. It's just every day, just go to the gym, get your work in for, you know, up to three, four hours and go home, get some protein and some rest. And I've actually, I've been uh, driving some Uber on the side too, you know, support my, support my minor league baseball lifestyle. And it's been uh, spring break down here in Florida. So it's been a good time to be an Uber driver. Uh, some high demand, but uh, I mean, this gym is, is just incredible. I mean, I lift weights every day, you know, right in between Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander, you know, top 10 pitchers of all time, just, you know, I mean, I'm sitting there and they're discussing, you know, their solutions for the lockout and, you know, the other day I walk in, Cindergard holds the door for me. Trey Turner walks in behind me. It's it's just, I mean, it couldn't be a cooler environment to be in. You ever Uber any of those guys? Uh, actually, there was one guy. His name's Justin. I forgot his last name. I picked him up from uh, the uh, the Honda Classic because there were there was a surge at the uh, at the golf course, and I I picked him up. I'm like, hey, I see you in the gym. So with all this. You bring it up perfectly with all this lifting and stuff you're doing for pitching. Does that add to your drive too? Off the oh, team absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's I, I've def I've been basically in the gym every single day for almost four months now, and you know, I feel the strongest I've ever felt. Uh, you know, control, command, all my stuff. It's 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 a whole new level of focus, and you know, there's this is my first professional off season where. I have nothing to focus on except for baseball. And it's, it's a, it's a real game changer because you don't have, there's, you don't realize how many distractions you have in college until you focus only on your training and just only on preparing for that, you know, super long season, because the way I see it is once the season starts in a hundred, in a hundred game season or a hundred plus game season, if you're an affiliate ball, um, you know, you're going to, there's going to be a steady decline of how your body operates. So 
you know, my goal for the off season was to just build myself up and be in the absolute best shape I could possibly be in. So when that decline happens, you know, I can do whatever I can to maintain it and it can only, you know, only drop so much if I really get into, into outstanding shape. And, uh, but I mean, it's, it's just been a blast down here. I'm, I'm loving it. Let's go back a little bit, you know, 2021, you said you were training, you went to Emerson, you went to Lander, you get the call, you sign your first professional contract with the Kane County Cougars. Mm -hmm. What was it like to officially call yourself a professional baseball player? I mean, that's, that's a dream that I've had since I was, you know, in preschool, you know, if you ask me from ages five to 15, what, you know, what your ideal dream job is, it's, you know, play professional baseball. And uh, it just kind of came out of the blue, you know, it didn't come exactly the way I wanted it to go just cause you know, COVID and stuff, you know, in 2020, that's, uh, you know, I, I was, it was really looking good. Like I was, I was going to get signed, but then, I mean, a five round draft, there's nothing you can really do when you're projected to go in the 35th round and projections are projections. There's no guarantees in baseball. That's, that's something I've learned. So, I mean, I just, I like to say I'm taking the scenic route and uh, cause I mean, it's, it's exactly two years later since I pitched my last game for Emerson and I mean, it, it, it's been a journey just with getting that call and getting my car and, you know, driving from South Carolina to Illinois and showing up to the clubhouse and get your uniform, the team picture, you know, the, the announcer comes down during batting practice to get some stories for you to talk about during your start. I mean, it's just the professional environment is it's it's so much fun. Like college ball was great. I loved it. But there's something about, the, about just doing it professionally and just having it be your job and place you go every single day that just makes it really special what was in the car just your glove spikes and j bands or <laughs> no i actually had way too much uh way too <laughs> much stuff in my car you got to pack light if you're a baseball player i had like my golf clubs i had my acoustic guitar my electric guitar i had a cast iron pan i had three fishing poles yeah i i, uh, I had to cut down i only brought one guitar with me this round so Kane County is in Chicago. Um, you play a bunch of teams from around there. It used to be affiliated. It was part of the thing that dropped off. What can you talk about the atmosphere in that league? So in this league, it's the average age was, I think, 27 or 28. And, you know, last year I was a rookie at 23 years old. It was is a, is a much older league. And um, I'd, I'd say about 90% of my team was guys that just got released from double A AA or triple A, or even, you know, guys from the majors. We had Vance Worley on, on our team who, I mean, seven years with the Phillies, 400 innings with a four ERA in the majors. And, you know, we're just in the bullpen throwing our bullpens together. And, and it's, it's really, it's, it's, it's like Bull Durham. There was one, there was that one point where we were sitting by the bullpen and Vance Worley's talking about how you get steak and lobster in the Yankees clubhouse. Well, we just, you know, ate some, some beans and rice. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, it was a really cool, like, you know, obviously you'd rather, I would have rather been drafted in, you know, low a higher, but I feel like there's actually a great amount of value to this experience that I'm having because I got to talk with so many guys who've really been through it. Like there are, there are guys, you know, you know, been in the majors who've had eight years in the minors who were drafted out of high school and now they're 27 and, you know, just got released from triple a and then got picked up back to double a and. I'm just getting a sense for, you know, how complicated the baseball world is. And it's, it's not a linear path. It's, and how humbling it is. It's up and down and, and everywhere. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it was, it was just an incredible experience. You know, all the fans I pitched at our high, I started our highest attendance game. We had, I think 
um, nearly 10,000 people in the stands. And, and, and that's just different. You know, the most I pitched in uh, with before was actually in the futures league at Worcester. And that was 5,000. And I'd say there's a difference between 5,000 and 10,000. There's like this white noise that just there's, you can't make out individual faces or individual conversations. There's just a white noise everywhere. Cause it's just, there's so many people and it's, it just, it makes it that much more fun to pitch in that environment. All right. So when you're in the FCBL, when you were uh, pitching, that was your summers while you were here in Boston at Emerson, what took you from LA over to Boston? There's one answer and that's playing time. I, uh, so I was, I was kind of a late bloomer. My junior year of high school, I only pitched like three innings on varsity. I was topping out at like 80 miles an hour. And, you know, I, I was looking for, I wanted a, a place where like that had a great school and a place that where I could start. And, uh, coach Vino called me, he said, buddy, if you come here, you'll start every day, every weekend for four years. And, uh, that's all I needed. And I just, I committed right away. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, that's head coach Nick Vinaki, my current coach, Jack's former coach. So you go to L.A., you're you're here. We just played a snow game last week. We played 20 degrees. Oh, my God. I know this was like six years ago, but what was it like, you know, coming, living in Boston, downtown for the first time? And, you know, you guys played at Campanelli for a little bit, which you ended up throwing no hitter at. I know that meant a lot to you. Uh, just talk about like the overall experience if you can. With- um, I mean, it was, it was very, very different than baseball in Los Angeles. I mean, I, I've, you know, I've, I've lived in LA my whole life and all of a sudden I'm coming out and trying to get to 6am lift before my hair freezes from the snow, just like, you know, 10 degrees walking to the gym and, and you have to pitch differently when it's under 40 degrees because statistically sliders break less once it's under 40 degrees and, I mean, not that you can grip it in the first place. I just clanked two kids against NEC that this on the slider is just, I was like, Oh, I'm not going to do that next week in Arizona. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But uh, I mean, I remember I I started one game where it was 32 degrees at game time and they just, I just abandoned the off speed. I said, all right, I'm going to grip a fastball. I can't feel my fingers, but I'm going to just throw it as hard as I can down the middle and see what, and just let it spray. But I, I mean, college baseball is, there's, is, has electricity to it that, you know, is everyone's always reminiscing about, even, even in pro ball, everyone says no, nothing's as fun as college ball. They say, cause it's just, you know, you got this brotherhood with, you know, all your guys, you know, all the, you know, you go out together, you hang out, you hang out at the baseball house, you have your parties, you have your fun, and then you go out and, you know, go to war on the baseball field. It's, there's nothing like it. Yeah. And not only going to war, but in division three too, all the guys we talked to that were in division three have so much pride for being there. What about you? What was it like to play in division three, especially making it where you are now? Um, so, I mean, baseball uh, going into college, it was just, it was just for fun. I just, I loved, I loved playing and I wanted to keep playing and I wanted to make sure I was at a place where I could play. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather play every day for a division three school than go sit on, you know, I had to, I had a friend that went to Vanderbilt and was on the baseball team, but, and he was like, it touched 90, but he just, you know, it's Vanderbilt. So you're not going to get in the game. You're not a 97 guy. <laughs> um, um, wait, what was the question again? Just what, what was it like playing in a yeah, kind of answer and how much pride do you have? Um, so it, it, it did become like a personal, like, 
grudge for me. The fact that we've never beaten MIT, Wheaton, or Babson. So I kind of was like, all right, I want to be the guy who beats those teams. And I got really close. I had nine opportunities, and I did lose all nine of them. But I got really close a few times. And, uh, and you know, we, we played at that beautiful stadium, Campanelli. That was also another big sell for me going to Emerson, you know, because it's, it's a gorgeous minor league stadium. feels like, you know, your 1960s minor league AAA and uh, it was, I mean, that, that walk from the bullpen to the mound, it just, it, it felt so big league. And, and uh, you know, there, there is a lot of pride coming from D3 just because, you know, it's, it's a grind. It's, you know, it's not, you know, immaculate facilities everywhere. So, I mean, Campanelli was great, but we, we only got to play games on it. Our practices would consist of, you know, if I want to throw a bullpen, I had to go in the closet in the gym in the basketball court, take out all the volleyball equipment, all the women's basketball equipment and all that stuff. And then, you know, squeeze out the bullpen mound and then set up three nets and then have a little makeshift home plate. And the it was, mats and the mats and the mats. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot more. You got to do a lot more than you usually have to do. And I mean, one day we showed up and had to build the fence for the field we were playing on my junior year is the the makeshift one fell down so i mean there's there's just a it's just just a level of grinding that you know feels really good to to know that i i went through and worked through and and uh and made it made it to the other side and you know you know d3 d2 indie ball and hopefully you know a lot more to come but uh just you know very very proud and uh, very thankful for my experiences at emerson because i promise you this it's the same 60 feet everywhere you go you know, everyone, when I went to the D2 place, they're like, oh, this is going to be way harder than Emerson. And it just, and then the same thing with any ball. They're like, this is the pros. These are double A guys. But, you know, I ended, I realized that, you know, just sticking to your game, whatever get, what, whatever gets out, will get Before out. We get back to Jack Fox. You know, good pitches are good pitches universally. We want to share a message from our friends at 78 Sports. Do you have kids playing baseball or softball? We all know practice time is limited, especially here in New England, not to mention the cost of lessons and cage time can add up quickly. Save yourself time and money by giving your kids what they need to work on their game at home. Our friends at 78 Sports can help you put together the perfect at-home training setup. Whether you want to start small with just a tee and hitting net or looking to set up a full cage with turf and a pitching machine, they have you covered. The team at 78 Sports has designed and installed hundreds of home and commercial sports training facilities. So let them help you plan the perfect setup for your space. Visit the 78 Sports website at 78sports.com. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y, number eight, sports.com. For a limited time, just by mentioning Back to the Futures, you'll receive a 10% discount off your order. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y, number eight, sports.com. Now, back to Kane County Cougars pitcher, Jack Fox. Yeah. And, you know, you touch on that, the competition, you know, it's the same wherever you go. Talk about the competition in your own conference when you were at Emerson, the new Mac, you talked about MIT Babson and Wheaton and the amount of talent there. What was it like facing those guys and how did that prepare you for kind of the, again, for division two and for the Kane County Cougars? I found MIT Wheaton and Babson just as difficult to pitch at against, against the best teams in, in the D2 in D2 that I faced and all these teams that I faced last year. I mean, my ERAs were, were pretty similar and, I still, my worst two games I've ever pitched were against, uh, were against Babson and Wheaton. They, they lit, lit me up for eight and six runs respectively. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it, like D3, I, I, 
they could have easily competed in the D2 conference I played in last year. Those, those teams, those teams were legit. I mean, I remember my freshman year, Austin Fillier played for MIT and he was, I mean, an eighth round draft pick for the Yankees. And, you know, to be a hitter and get drafted at a D3 is about the hardest thing you can do in baseball. You know, a pitcher's a pitcher, 95 is 95, but a hitter, like if you can, if you can yeah, make weight totally. like that, that is that, I mean, that's unheard of. So just, I mean, just really, really good competition. And the way I thought of it is, you know, even they're only guys who go there are, you know, MIT and Babson. Those are guys who, you know, they want an outstanding education and they probably could go to a D1 school. And, but they're like, I'm, you know, I'm going to get this insane degree and play high level baseball and start every week. And, you know, it's, it's honestly a very smart decision. Yeah. You know, uh, we, we had Studley on a couple weeks ago, Jacob Studley, who, Spent some time in Brock. Did you guys cross paths in Brockton too? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was in Brockton for yeah. a very brief stunt in uh, in twenty twenty. But it's like I was I was texting you before the weird year last year. We only played ten game. The New Mac only you know had a ten game or so schedule, and because we didn't get to do it in twenty twenty for your senior year, and it was like oh that you kept saying this is the year, this is the year, and um. You know, it's just crazy how how important those games are, and how I'm just gonna live with those forever. And you're you've been all across the country, and you're still talking about those games. But that's what the New Mac is. You know, it's a three bid conference, and uh, kids are littered throughout the Futures League. Um, so let's move on to a little Futures League talk. Mm-hmm. You you played in Westfield one summer. You lit it up. How do you think that helped you? You know, get a lot of recognition from going to D three to. It's like, hey, I can do it against the big boys. Um, so I mean, that was that was really the only reason I had any attention from scouts my senior year, because so I, I decided I really wanted to go for professional baseball my junior year. And you know, I had a good season at Emerson my junior year, and uh, my plan was actually to just train that off season because I've ne- I've never done any real you know baseball training program, so I was gonna just stay in Boston, work and, and do my training. And then all of a sudden I get a call, Hey, do you want to play for the futures league? And I'm like, sure, that sounds great. I didn't, I didn't even know. I didn't even know what the futures league was. I didn't know about collegiate summer baseball. I was just out of the, out of the loop, just had no idea. And, um, and I showed up and it was, they were like, this is, you know, a lot of D one hitters. Then, you know, it's basically the best of D three and a lot of, a lot of great D one D two players. And, uh, I just, I, I played my game. I didn't overthink anything. And it just, just a a few good starts came together and all of a sudden, you know, it was, it was, it was a great summer. I, uh, I I really enjoyed my time. That was, I mean, that was the biggest stage I played on uh, to that point, you know, coming from Emerson is, you know, up to 5,000 fans a game and, you know, a few kids coming into the bullpen for autographs. And, you know, it was, it was was a really, really, really fun time. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, not only was it pretty fun, but you also happened to break the strikeout record for uh, strikeouts in the season there, just casually throwing that and throwing a couple of Ks there. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, – and honestly, I think I could have – I think I could have kept it because the guy I saw, it got broken this year. The guy, someone had 83. Yeah, Jack Jack Choate broke your record, dethroned you. Well, I'll, I'll tell you why I don't still have it. So I only – I had 79, but <laughs> – my last game of the season, I already broke it, and uh, I asked if I could hit for myself. 
and I did. And I, you know, I went one for three at an RBI. I, I, I beat out a number to third base. <laughs> uh, after I beat out that number, I was kind of gassed and I got taken out the next inning. <laughs> I gave it like four hits in a row and I only had like four strikeouts that game. Yeah, it is what it is. You know, that one's on me. <laughs> so we got to ask, you were in Westfield and an important question we ask every Westfield uh, person that comes on, do you believe in Bullen's magic? Absolutely. There was, uh, I mean, Bullen's, it was, it was a, just a very homey environment, you know, out, out in the middle of nowhere, you know, from my regards and just, uh, you know, I, I think it's at about 500, maybe a thousand and just a, just a really nice baseball atmosphere. And we, I mean, we had, we had a losing season, but we had some really magical games there. And, uh, and sometimes it, it felt like things just came together out of a storybook. So absolutely. There's, there's a lot of Bullens magic going on. Yeah. And then after Westfield in 2020, you said earlier, you had a brief stint in Brockton, ended up throwing a combined no hitter one game. What was your time like in Brockton? Uh, even though it was brief. Uh, so the only reason it was brief was because I actually, I tore my calf about a, about two weeks before the season starts. I, uh, my dog got loose and I was barefoot running and I just did a full sprint on concrete to go get him. And it, uh, it just gave out of me. And, uh, the doctor said it'd be six weeks and, uh, four weeks later I was in Brockton on the mound, <laughs> which wasn't the smartest thing in, in retrospect, because, you know, there's a lot of compensation going on. Everything else started hurting. But, uh, you know, I, I never got a win at Campanelli. I, I really wanted one at, at Emerson. And I even got two starts against, uh, against Brockton at Campanelli and in, in, uh, with Westfield, but I didn't win any of those. I think I was 0-9, 0-10. And uh, so to be able to go there on, you know, half a calf, everything hurting, I, I didn't ramp up even. I just, I like was throwing on my knees for like a few weeks and then I just showed up and was like, yeah, I'm ready to start. And, uh, and then to just have five innings breeze by and, you know, the bullpen comes in and shuts it down. That was a, uh, that was a pretty amazing moment. It, it, you know, even though I was only there for two weeks, uh, it, it felt like a, it felt like a, a great, a great, it felt like a really, you know, just really satisfying thing to do to, you know, to go just so far out of my way to, to, to just grab that feature. It's, it's almost as if I could come back for another year at Emerson and, uh, get a win against MIT. And I remember being there too. I was, I was in the press box for that one and I showed up at the field and I was like, Oh, who's starting today? They were like, Jack Fox. I'm like, he's back. <laughs> and you come, you come in and do that. And it was, it was cool. And I think I, I talked to you after the game as well. So it was good to hear that and, and see you, you know, pitch like that after a year off and injury stint later. Yeah, that was uh, that was, that was a fun one. I enjoyed it. Would have, it would have been nice to finish the whole game, but I was, my my velo went down after the fourth inning it is yeah it's yeah, baseball is hard yeah and we got a pitch count and we got a pitch count uh gotta gotta watch those pitches in the summer that's why coaches still send us here because we do a good job of that which leads perfectly into the home run derby talk mlb just announced the all-star game might have it and people are going crazy even though we've had it for a few years now what do you think of the home run derby and summer ball I just I think that's the greatest thing you could possibly put in the college baseball environment because I love home runs. Obviously, not when I give them up, but when I give up a nuke, I I can sometimes respect it just because I just the sheer beauty of a of just a 
a moonshot home run is, is just one of the most beautiful things in baseball to watch. So, I mean, I remember, you know, one of the games we played at Brockton, um, I think it was Jake Geloff and another guy from Dartmouth. Um, they hit like 35 homers combined and we're just sitting on the grass watching them just nuke balls over the lights at Brockton, which I didn't even know was possible. And uh, I mean, I just don't understand who would have any complaints about that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want it any other way. If they could do a home run derby in any ball, I'd, uh, I'd go for that too. Maybe. Yeah. So that was, that was Ben Rice, right? Owen mm-hmm. MVP yep. that summer. Yep. MVP. Ben Rice. Yeah. He so I think 20 homers in the home run derby there. Because Geloff put like 15 out, and then Ben came over and just hit nuke after nuke. Like he started, so he just, you know, at first he was clearing the fence, and then he started clearing the the lights at Brockton, which I just I didn't I didn't know that was possible. That summer you were hurt a little bit. That was your transition to Lander. I know you talked about this. We're gonna come back to it quickly though. So you're planning on getting drafted. You're talking to scouts. I was literally right there. I saw them all with the pocket radars or the real, you know, the jugs, the guns you're throwing, you know, the fastest cutters you've ever thrown. You're striking out 14 dudes. And then the world's decided to, you know, basically end for a couple of years. What, how quick was that lander decision you had to make? Cause you know, I know the stuff you told me, you know, you love the pitching coach there, beautiful field, um, you know, stuff like that. And you you get you needed an opportunity and you got one, deservingly so. But how quick did everything have to? Oh, geez, I just hit my mic. How quick did everything have to form there? I mean, it, I'll be honest. It, it was it was a really really hard time for me just because, you know, I just graduated college and I thought you know with that fourteen strikeout game you you're telling me about. I mean, the Dodgers and the Padres were there watching that and they all called me. The Dodgers scout said invited me to the mini camp at Dodger Stadium for the pre draft thing and. So I was just so excited for it. And I thought even with COVID, I, I thought I did well enough to still get drafted. And then, you know, five round draft. And even, but even with the five round draft, they said, you know, I still have a hope for free agency, but then they canceled the minor leagues a week right. before the draft. And, and after that, they said, I just, I didn't have a chance. Um, so, I mean, that was just, that, that blow was really tough because I was, I was all in. I thought I had it in the bag. Just, I thought I was going to sneak in there. I did too. <laughs> um, so, you know, that was, that was a really tough time, but at that point I was, I, you know, I graduated, I got my Emerson degree and I got the extra year of eligibility. And I just thought that would be my best play. Just, you know, you know, I was, I thought, you know, a lot of people do a fifth year, you know, people have a red shirt, a TJ year, all that stuff. I'm like, you know what, I'll, I'll do a fifth year. I'll, I'll find, I'll put my name in the transfer portal and I'm looking for a few things. I'm looking for, you know, obviously some money to go to the school. I'm looking for a starting spot. I'm looking for great facilities. I'm looking for great coaching. And uh, I, I emailed a few schools, a few like uh, smaller D1s, you know, some good D2s. And then uh, also I had this kind of, I've, I've been playing, I was playing a lot of Red Dead Redemption 2 at the time. So I wanted to go to the South and check that out. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I get a call from this uh, great D2 school in South Carolina with beautiful facilities and great coaching and a starting spot. And uh, it, we taught me and the coach talked about pitching for two hours and it just, it felt right. I, I gave it a few, uh, gave it a week or two to think about. And then uh, I pulled the trigger. I, uh, I, you know, got in my car and, and drove over and uh, it, it was, it was a great year there. Yeah. And you talked about how it was a great year. You had a two seven, seven ERA and 48 and two thirds innings pitched. You were a PBC all first team member. 
so your time with the Bearcats, how did that help kind of further your development and gain that you talked about it, gaining that extra year to try and, you know, push you to pro ball, which obviously worked out. Um, so it was, it was a really great transition year from, from D three to pro ball, because there's just, there's, there's a set, there's just a way things work on the baseball field. You know, once, you know, once the levels go up a bit and just like, you know, kind of how to handle yourself and, you know, the work ethic of, of other people on the team and, you know, the seriousness of baseball, which I, I, I was, um, you know, I, I had a little bit of learning to do just, you know, going to a new school because at Emerson, it was, I kind of just, the co- coach Managi, he would kind of, you know, let me arrange my schedule however I wanted, you know, however I wanted to get ready for my start or get ready for my bullpen. He would, he would let me do that. But, you know, when you go into a new school where it's not, you know, there's not this huge difference, it's, it's, you know, everyone, I was one of 10 guys who could throw in the nineties at that, at that school. It was, it was, you know, I really had to fight for a spot for, for the first time in a while. And uh, it was, it was a little humbling at first. Um, but, you know, I, I actually started off in the bullpen and then uh, earned my way into the, into the starting rotation, you know, uh, towards the end of the season. And uh, it, it ended up being a, a pr- pretty successful season. Just, um, you know, I, I learned it was, they, they were, there were some very good hitters in this league is a, is a great D2 conference, the peach belt. And, um, you know, we got to pitch in some really cool minor league stadiums. We got to throw in the high A stadium for the, uh, for the Red Sox in uh, Greenville, South Carolina. They had a, a little, a little Fenway there with a green monster and everything. And that was super cool experience. And got to pitch in another minor league stadium down in uh, Augusta, Georgia, where they're now with the giants. But uh, I mean, it was, it was definitely a step up. It was definitely a step up from Emerson um, competition and seriousness wise. And, I treated it like a minor league season. I'll be honest. I did the bare minimum classes I could just so I could be eligible for baseball. Cause I just, you know, I wanted a job in baseball. I wanted to play professionally. So I told myself I was going to go to this D2 school and treat it like I'm a professional baseball player and uh, see how the cards play out. And, and then, you know, right there, I went right from there straight to King County. Before we return to our interview with Jack Fox. Friends at Zorian Bat Company. Rob Zorian started the company Zorian Bat Company in 2003, literally out of the trunk of his car in Davie, Florida. Within two years, he was selling his wood bat line to Major League Baseball and continuing to manufacture the highest grade wood bats for Little League all the way up to the Major Leagues. Rob Zorian, founder and president of Zorian Bat, says, I started the company in 2003 to service all baseball players in the United States and beyond. And after 19 years, our mission has not changed. We are very excited to have the opportunity to work with the Futures League and wish all of our players and coaches a healthy and successful season ahead. To find out more information about Zorian, go to ZorianBats.com. That's Z-O-R-I-A-N Bats.com. Zorian, America's baseball brand. Now back to Jack Fox. And we can't talk about training and development without uh, shouting out Dr. Heenan, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, my... So that summer in the Futures League, uh, starting in that league, I also started working with Heenan. And um, he told me to send him a video of me doing my max reverse lunge, and it was like a wobbly 135. And I was topping out at about 88 miles an hour uh, at the end of my junior year at, for Emerson. And uh, so starting – and I, was, I weighed about 190, about 190, 195 pounds, and then – I started working with Heenan. He sent me all the programs. He told me, you know, eat to, to eat the house and then some. And within a few months, I gained, 
I gained like 20 pounds. My reverse lunge got up to, you know, nearly 300 pounds. And uh, all of a sudden, instead of topping out at 88, I could hit 93. And, um, you know, at the, and at the All-Star game, at the Futures League All-Star game that year, you know, I had uh, I threw pretty well. I was 91, 92, and that's what got the attention from all the scouts. So, I mean, I owe any exposure I have to uh, for for those teams and, you know, getting those calls. I, I owe that all to Heenan for, for the, the training program that he gave me because, you know, no one's going to bat an eye over 88, but 92, you know, back then that that meant something. No, I mean, it still does. And you you kind of brought it to Emerson a little bit here. For those who don't know, Dr. Josh Heenan, he's the guy that you see on Instagram with the 90 mile an hour formula, the, you do the chin-ups, the, the, the deadlift, the, he has all his, all his strategies and formulas. And Hey, there's an example right here on the screen. Uh, you're looking right at him. Um, yeah. Owen, Owen did it. Owen, <laughs> Owen, let's get you on the 90 mile an hour formula. No, yeah, who knows? I, I don't know. I mean, I'm already at, I'm already at about 98, so I don't know. I don't know if I want to brag to you guys. <laughs> Kilometers per hour. Yeah, yeah, with a wiffle ball. <laughs> and you just touched on it with everything you said about Dr. Heenan. You pitched the Futures League All Star Game. You got exposure to the scouts. So many things in the FCBL that we try and do is is for guys like you who are trying to make it in pro ball. What do you think for you was the biggest benefit of playing in the FCBL? Um, I mean, it's. But I mean, I just said it's, it's the exposure for sure. I mean, I pitched in the all-star game and, you know, it, I didn't even know there were scouts, you know, I, I knew there were going to be scouts there, but I didn't, I didn't know exactly, you know, what it was going to be or whether they're going to talk to me right then or later. Or I don't know how I did, but then um, a few months later in the fall of, of my senior season, um, Pirates reached out to my coach. Dodgers reached out to my coach. Rangers, uh, Pirates and Rangers, they both had a scout, you know, come all the way out to our practice at at the Malden JV field <laughs> and uh, watch, watch, watch me throw for a little Maplewood, bit. Maplewood, baby. He showed me a video of uh, the Ranger scout showed me a video he took of me, you know, hitting 92. And I that was the first time I've ever seen that just documented. And it was, I mean, so it's, it's some exposure that I, I never would have gotten uh, otherwise. And, you know, it's without the futures league, it's, I mean, the futures league was an essential part of, of my journey to where I am now. Cause it, it was the first place I got real exposure and uh, it was, it was great. It was a great environment. Every ballpark I played in great competition and uh, you know, the, the scouts respected it. And, and that's, you know, that's all you can ask for out of, out of your summer, out of your summer league, just a, a place to uh, just a platform to, to show off what you got. Yeah, you certainly showed it off well, and, you know, it paid off as you are now on Kane County. And we now move on to our final segment. It's called Quick Hits. It's presented by Zephyr, the official on-field hat of the Futures League. Zephyr, high-quality, innovative design since 1993. So, Jack, we got a couple more questions for our audience to get to know you better. Is that cool? Absolutely. All right, let's do it. First off, this is a tough one, but who is your favorite teammate in the FCBL? Who's my favorite teammate in the FCBL? Oh, that's a tough one. That was a while ago. <laughs> uh, Chase Jeter for uh, he was he was the other starting pitcher. I think is was he a lefty? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. He was uh, he was the other starting pitcher. He was he was a really cool dude. Just uh, you know, fun fun to hang out in the bullpen with, and uh, he you know, and he was he was a great starter. You know, we got to bounce ideas off each other and you know sequences and all that stuff. And uh, yeah, so I, I I'll, I'll go with him. What about a favorite Emerson teammate besides myself, of course? <laughs> well, besides you, Johnny, uh, 
I mean, I, I got to give it to my to my junior year roommate, Ethan, my second baseman. You know, we lived in the house together. We had a band in our kitchen. Literally, he, he was on. We had a drum set and an electric guitar in our kitchen. And every day we'd come home and play Tom Sawyer and uh, disturb our third roommate. Uh, I mean, that was that was just a, a really fun year. So uh, definitely. So I'm, I'm going to go with, with Mr. Ethan Young. Landlord must have loved that. Landlord hated it. We did not get our security <laughs> back for a lot of reasons. We had BB holes in our wall. We had a roommate. We had one of the baseball guys living at the house for a bit for a few months. And he just started shooting BBs into the wall. <laughs> there were just a bunch of BB, like it was like a war scene. Oh my God. Yeah, that's a great way to not get your security deposit back. <laughs> yeah, like, and then whether it was at Emerson, at Lander, with Kane County, or in the FCBL, what what, what is your was your walk up music? I uh, my walk up song in for Westfield was uh, Tom Sawyer by Rush, uh, and then my walk up song at Lander was uh, California Love because you know I was like the only one from California there. And then at King County, it was a heavy metal by Sammy Hagar. Perfect. Yeah, those are definitely three different kind of tunes for oh, yeah. three different three different teams. And then obviously you mentioned that you're from California. You've played in Boston. You've played wherever else. What, who's your what's your favorite big league team and big league player, whether it's current or historical? Um, you know, I grew up. Me and my dad watched watched every every Kershaw start there was huge huge Dodger fans my dad's been a Dodger fan since he was 10 years old and uh you know I grew up at Dodger Stadium going to games and you know and you know in LA if you don't have direct tv you cannot watch the Dodger game on your provider they black it out on every channel they like there's some weird money deal where they just can't figure it out so I mean every time Kershaw's pitching we'd have to you know we'd always just go to a restaurant you know watch him throw a jam back in 2014 2015 you know his prime Watching Kershaw in his prime was was you know something that really made me you know fall in love with baseball that much more. Yeah, sometimes I'll even I'll watch uh, I'll watch all fi- all you know twenty seven outs of his uh, of his no hitter in twenty fourteen for my starts because it's just you know it's uh, inspiring stuff. And I got the Kershaw model uh, glove on the go. So yeah, Dodgers and Kershaw, easy answer. Yeah, I mean what a what a good guy to watch. Um... I love me just there's so many weird TV stuff going on and you it's like, doesn't make any sense. A lot of stuff doesn't make sense. A lot of stuff. You're very right on that. What about a favorite ballpark you've played in? I, I got to give it to Kane County. 10,000 fans, you know, after every game, there's like 60 kids asking for autographs and they're heckling you for a ball and, uh, you know, it's just, you know, being, you know, getting a start at your home ballpark, you know, it's, you go in three hours early, you do some stretching, you sit in the hot tub, you get a massage, you take a shower, you throw, you take another shower, you take as many showers as you want for a ball. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it, no, it, it's that, I mean, that stadium is, is, is just really fun. It's just a classic ballpark in the, in the middle of the woods, uh, you know, in the suburbs of Chicago and, um, yeah, just in an electric environment. And uh, in the sixth, either in the sixth or, in the, or the seventh inning, they have this beer batter thing on the on the Jumbotron where if you get a strikeout, everyone gets $1 beers. And on the 10,000 fan night, I got the I got the beer batter and the crowd went wild. And that was uh, 
that was pretty fun. And that's something they'll never forget either. That's the best part about, you know, the, whether it's the summer college model or the minors, it's uh, yeah, that's awesome. It's fun for the fans. What about a favorite, favorite between inning promotion? Is that it? Is the beer better one? The I mean, we had a guy doing like triple backflips on a pogo stick. We had someone with like a dog that would like do like crazy tricks and jump all over the place and could like do backflips. Um, you know, I'm going to go with pogo stick guy. I mean, triple backflip on a pogo stick. How can you beat that? I can't do that. I just was thinking like, what if he falls? <laughs> like it's, it's, it's just such a, and he's like on the grass like behind home plate like what if the grass gives out and the pogo stick flies out from under him and it just it's it's you know it's it was a very impressive performance not a lot of margin for oh actually there. there's there's, an, there's another guy uh he was this amazing it was called it's called tyler's amazing balancing act have you guys seen him he goes around to minor league ballparks all over the country and he can balance anything on his face like chairs and brooms and like and he'd go up and down the stands and have random people give him stuff to balance like on his nose can't beat <laughs> summer baseball and if that's not summer baseball i don't know what is exactly what about a sporting event or stadium on your bucket list dodger stadium i would like to pitch there um uh yeah I thought I was going to get a pitch there twice. We almost made it to the championships my senior year of high school where, uh, and I was going to get that start, but we lost in the semifinals. And then, you know, the Dodger, the mini camp for the pre-draft that I didn't end up getting to go to. Uh, I would love to just, you know, get a pitch in on that, on that field. That would, yeah. Uh, I mean, the names that have touched that mound are just insane. Oh yeah. And last question of the quick hits segment brought to you by Zephyr. What is your favorite all-time baseball memory? Favorite all-time baseball memory? I have to say, in the Futures League, getting that uh, getting that strikeout for the record was uh, was was my favorite memory. I, I just I couldn't. I, I wanted it so bad. I was trying so hard not to think about it because I knew, you know, everyone was asking me. Everyone's like, "How many strikeouts you need? How many strikeouts you need?" And I was and I needed like eight, and I had two games to do it, and I just was trying so hard to just you know, just keep doing what I was doing and not focus on it. And uh, I, I mean, I wanted that thing really, really bad. And, and then to, to get it. Um, and also the, the pitch I got it on was kind of funny. It was a, I remember it like it was yesterday is that we were up two one against uh, against Pittsfield and I had the bases loaded two outs in like the bottom of the sixth inning of a double header, top of the sixth inning of a double header. And as a three, two count, and I threw a curveball and it hit the guy and the umpire said he leaned in on it and called it strike three. And that was the one? That was the one. Oh, my gosh. I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't remember it until you said it, but I was also at that game. And uh -huh. I just remember the because we were in the press box and everybody was going nuts. Uh-oh. I mean, that's the first time yeah. that's ever happened to me for a strikeout, the lean in. Oh, my God. I was like, shit, I just walked in the tying run. <laughs> nope. Nope. That's awesome. And then one last question here before we sign off. Mm -hmm. Ton of Division Three guys are either in the FCBL or thinking about joining. What would be your advice to them about joining the Futures League and pitching or playing in the league this summer? Uh, you know, if you're, I only know it from a pitcher's perspective, but um, if you're a pitcher, it's the same 60 feet, and uh, you can work as hard as you're willing to, and no matter what level you're at, you can, 
you know, you can always go get your work in. There's always extra stuff to do. There's always extra mobility and strength and research that you can do to work on your stuff and, and get better velocity development information has never been more available. And uh, it's all out there. And if, if you want it, you can get it. And the future, the futures league is a great place to, uh, you know, to, to try out some new, try out your stuff and, and see if, see if you can hang with the big dogs. And Jack, that's all we got today. Thank you so much for joining us. Best of luck with everything. We look forward to uh, following you on the Kane County and uh, wherever you end up next. Absolutely. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. This was super fun. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming on, Jack. Absolutely. All right. I will uh, see you guys later. See you later, Jack. And this has been episode seven of season four of Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures Collegiate Baseball League. We have new episodes coming out every Monday. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see everyone soon.